Dude, he's taller than me. Not by a lot. But he's a lot wider, too. <laughs> you're just saying that because he's not here. <laughs> you wouldn't say it. <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Silver Savage Podcast with a very special guest today, my brother-in-law, Pete, Taylor's brother. Um, and I have some questions for him. He did not want to sit here today, nope. <laughs> but he was uh, he was forced. He got a tumble for it, so if you get a tumble, you do whatever. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has a price, and Pete's apparently is an X95. I say that's a good deal. <laughs> it is a good deal, yeah. Just for sitting here for about 30 minutes and chit-chatting, yeah, not yeah. bad. So anyways, uh, Pete is visiting from Indiana, and um, Pete... Peter has a lot to share. He doesn't think so, but I think so. So we'll we'll find out. So we'll uh, we'll kick it right off. Uh, were you born in Indiana? Uh, I was. Yep. Okay. In but, Indiana. but you spent a lot of time in Maryland. So when I was thirteen, uh, I moved out to Maryland. My dad at the at the time lived in, here in Saranac Park, and uh, uh, I lived here until I was twenty six. So thirteen years. Oh, okay. Well. So I cannot follow your family tree, by the way. I mean, <laughs> just so you guys understand, <laughs> their dad is my hero. <laughs> yeah. um, and and I guess, is there anybody that shares a complete set of parents? No. no. So you I have you and Sean share a mother. Yes. You and Steve and Tyler share a father. Yes. But you all have different mothers. Yes. Okay. All right. I think I'm tracking. Yep. <laughs> and I have another sister, Crystal, as oh, a different father. I'm forgetting. I'm sorry. Yep. All right. Didn't. Sorry, Crystal. <laughs> um, wait a second. So Crystal is whose kid? My mom. Okay. All right. Crystal is my mom and uh, and uh, a stepfather from a long time ago, from my uh, earliest years. Okay. All right. One day you'll have to draw me a picture. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm very visual. Um, all right, so you, you lived here till you were 26, you said, mm-hmm. and you joined the military, right? So I uh, enlisted in, when I was 17, I did uh, my basic training in between my junior and senior year of high school. Okay. And then uh, once I graduated, I went to helicopter mechanic training. Okay. Uh, did you know you wanted to go to the military? Like, was that a predetermined... I didn't really know until I took the ASVAB and uh, I scored decent on it. And uh, they told me basically that I could do whatever I want. So and you decided to be a mechanic? Yeah. So when I originally enlisted, they were like, hey, we need people to man these howitzers. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> and I'm like, but can I work on helicopters instead? <laughs> and they were like, okay. Awesome. Uh- Pretty good career path, especially if you want to consider civilian options after, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you spent how many years total? 21. 21 years. So is that considered full term? 20 years is, um, would be, yes, 20 years is full. Okay. And you got medically discharged. I did. Right. Would you have stayed longer if you did it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Did you, you liked what you did? Uh, I can't speak. You liked what you did. That's what I was trying to say. I loved helicopters. Uh, I loved teaching um, I loved everyone that was underneath me, and I loved most of my mentors. Uh, the Army way, I think, in my opinion, has lost its path. Uh, it's no longer, it doesn't seem to me, it's uh, 
they don't train to win wars. They don't train to go defeat the enemy anymore. Do you think that's going to change with, uh, I guess, the political climate we're living in and all the rapid global changes that are taking place? No. That's pretty pessimistic. I just, I, I, uh, politics uh, is definitely too big a part in, in our role. Okay. Is that military-wide or is that branch-specific? Like, I know Steve is a Marine, for example. We talk about that being smaller and more nimble to an extent and then not as dependent on big budgets. They seem to still be training for wars in a sense, or am I wrong? No, they are. Uh, they still have, well, that's one th- one great thing about the Marine Corps, they don't change their standards. Uh, they always train to a standard, and they always train to win a war. Um, each branch has their own specific job. Um, what happens with different administrations is you get different leaders at the top, and different leaders have different ideas on what uh, should be acceptable and uh, what the path of that branch should be. So. Um, it cha- literally changes with with each political party. Right, right. So I, I wanna I wanna stick on the military for a second, and you know, a conversation that came up last night. You know, Tyler remembered a time where she was thinking of enlisting, and she said you talked her out of it. So you know, she's obviously a sister, and I can understand the the, the fears associated with that. But what advice would you give to a teen? let's say 17 years old, like you were when you started the process, that wants to join the military now, would you tell them to go for it or not? So, yes, I would. And as far as Tyler goes, that is, uh, that's Big Brother talking to Little Sister. Right. No, I understand. Um, many, many advantages uh, that a person has coming out, you know, such as you or me. You have uh, much more discipline. Oh, yeah. You, your your ability to focus uh, is much better. Um, career paths. Yeah, exactly. It's your perfect example, right, of getting an actual trade. I mean, I don't know me as an infantry. I don't know that I have many career paths after, but... I think you've made a great career path. I did, but I'm, I'm certainly, I would say, an exception in that sense. I, yeah. I most, most grants come out and then just become part of the workforce, right? It's not a skill that's easily translatable to civilian life. I agree. Uh, but you definitely have skills that look good to employees or employers. And I think a lot of it is the correct the character that the military builds more than the actual skill set, right? So if I have a veteran coming to apply for a job, I know that they'll have to discipline, I know they'll follow orders, I know they'll think outside the box and try to find a solution when needed. And those are things that it's hard to teach. And certainly not a college graduate that all did was partying and right. taking an exam. Uh, so, you know, you, you have a son. Mm-hmm. Right? How old is Logan now? Uh, 20, maybe 22 in November. Okay. So if, if Logan wanted to join the military, yes, would you encourage that or would you? I, I would. I would. I'd, and, and I had had several talks to him about that. Um, and I love, so things that I love about my career is uh, I love the, uh, I love most of the people. I love the helicopters. I love the career that I created for myself. Um, it really depends on what he wants to do. Uh, right. It totally depends on what he wants to do. And if I were to give him advice, I would say, you know, uh, I found something I love. I found aviation. If aviation isn't your isn't your thing, you know, now they have drones. They're great, great careers for, 
for any. And you're like video games. There's plenty of roles in the military for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, looking back, I, I'd love to see him go in. If not, it just for maybe the initial, uh, the initial uh, enlistment. Yeah, I think everybody should serve. I, I wish the U.S. had mandatory service. It doesn't have to be lengthy. Six months. Teach them some discipline. Give them a skill, and then. God forbid you need the manpower for a war, you have something to pull on. Yeah. But uh, but certainly prepare people. My, I have two boys, right? They're seven and ten right now. And I hope they all want to join. I'm a little torn whether I want them to join in this country or join in Israel. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the character building element, I don't think it matters. I mean, I feel passionate about both countries. Whichever they want to do yeah. would be great. I don't think they're into it yet. But they're also young. So okay. Cool. So you, you serve your 21 years. Um, do you mind telling people what medical discharge? What? What? Sorry. So uh, yeah, my back and my neck. Uh, right now, I, I have a uh, I've got a ruptured disc in my neck, and my my left arm goes numb and has spondylosis, uh, and that's apparently. That's so uh, arthritis in my spine. Mm-hmm. Uh, compressed. I have a compressed spine. I have arthritis in my spine, and. Uh, Apparently, it's, it's pretty common. Whether it's in aviation and helicopters specifically, I don't know. But it's pretty We talked common. about it once. You, uh, we talked about the seats in the helicopter, and you're like, yeah, the pilots have nice seats, but we're sitting in the back are pretty effed. Right. So the newer helicopters, they have better seats for the, for the crew chiefs, for the backseaters. Um, the seats that I have, been, I have sat in my entire career uh, are similar to sitting on the edge of an army cot. You know what an army cot looks yeah. like. It's got the... Aluminum frame, a little bit of canvas in the middle, and the canvas in the middle. Well, that's been my seat throughout my entire career, and it's I'm sure everyone who's, you know, flown in Alpha Limas have uh, had the same problems. Yep, yep. Um, we were talking about it. I uh, I don't recall a lot from my helicopter flights because I was asleep most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't care what I was sitting on. I would pass out as soon as the Things started taking yeah. off. If I wasn't on comms, if I wasn't crewing, then I was asleep. It was. <laughs> so people may not know the difference, right? Because you said that you were a mechanic on helicopters, right? But you also crewed, and yes. that's that's a different role, right? Yes. So what does that entail? So uh, two different two different types of companies. One, the assault your door gunner. Um, the other is uh, medevac or dust off, and you assist medics. Um, most, uh, two of my deployments were as a salt or a door gunner. Um, when I, on my first deployment, we flew salt missions. Uh, we also flew, the majority of the meat of what we did was uh, flying passengers from FOB to FOB, from Ford Operating Base to, mm-hmm. or to Cobb or wherever. Uh, we called it ass and trash. Ass and trash. Yep. I like it. So. That's uh, the majority. That was the, the meat and potatoes of what we did. Uh, what what uh, what area was that? Was that Afghanistan or Iraq? Uh, it was Iraq. I never uh, I never got deployed to Afghanistan. Okay. I uh, did spend uh, uh, a full deployment in Iraq, and I did it with uh, the Virginia unit, just you know, just, uh, just south of uh, Indiana. Great guys, loved them. Favorite deployment by far. Uh, loved it. Good guys. Still I uh, still talk to a lot of them. Cool. But, um, so that's the assault. So yep. And what was the medevac role? Uh, so our 19, the only one I had was in 19, and I got sent home early from that, but for uh, medical stuff. But we were split up. So we were in Iraq, uh, Jordan, Syria, 
and Saudi Arabia. So, so do, two of those sound pretty cushy, I'll be honest. <laughs> right, good. Right. There's not a lot going in Saudi Arabia and Jordan. So Saudi was, was actually very active. Apparently they were, um, they were getting attacked from Yemen. Oh, interesting. At the time. Uh, and they actually turned Saudi for us into a combat zone. Okay. Uh, I assume that was more rebels type thing, yes. and internal conflicts more so than a war kind of like Iraq and Syria. Oh, that is correct. Okay. It, it, yeah, but they were we were definitely getting uh, we're definitely getting rockets, and um, there were suicide bomber threats like two or three times a month. Okay. But uh, yeah, that was that, that was the nineteen deployment. We were spread out, but. Medevac is. Medevac is designed to be spread out. We have, uh, what do we have? Two, four, six, eight, ten helicopters, and generally they're spread out that in that manner, in twos. Okay. You take two medevac aircraft and you go out. Generally speaking, they spend time with in special ops right. with special people. You know what I mean? I got it. So, uh, and that's what they did in, in Jordan, Syria, Iraq. That's that was their main job. Does each branch has it its own medevac component, or is the army pretty much? The army is probably. I think the army is the only one that has medevac. Uh, the rest of them, like the 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 Marine Corps, they have. Um, um, what are they called? Um, they don't have specific medevac aircraft. But they have medics on aircraft. Kazabak, I'm sorry. Kazabak okay. is what it's called. Uh, casualty evacuation. Yeah, so they, that being said, they can carry cruiser weapons. They can have M240s or miniguns or M50 or, or 50 cows. And on still them. have medical capability. Yes. Probably not as in depth as a true dedicated medevac helicopter would have. But right, or more of an ambulance. They're yes. less of an ambulance, more of a uh, get out quick. So the. Department Rescue Jumpers, right? The Air Force, the Air Special Force, Operations, yep. you know, Search and Rescue. PJs. Are they a standalone unit or do they attach to? Uh, I don't know specifically. I think they are a standalone. I think they're very similar to the way we operate. Okay. Interesting. So you, you spent the 21 years, you got out. Um, what are you doing now? I'm, I'm retired. Well, you have some no. things you're working on. So I'm working. Sorry, I, I just to, you know, to, to put in context, I mean, a lot of our listeners are veterans, a lot of them transitioning, a lot of them are entrepreneurs, right? And you actually cover or check all those boxes, right? So, yeah. you know, I think people will find that interesting. Yeah, so um, I am now working with one of my friends, or you could say boring, uh, Stories Collision. And he, uh, he has a collision center, uh, but... Uh, my focus is classic cars, and that's what I want to do. Right now, he has his own 46 uh, international pickup truck with, that I'm working on. Then I'm working on, uh, I'm doing an engine swap on a 69 Fastback Mustang, your favorite. Yeah. And uh, after that, a 78, um, 78 Trans Am. Do you always put the cars you're working on on your shirts? He does. <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? Yeah, he does. Okay. Yep. So you also have... Some aspirations on opening your own shop. I would love to, yes. Okay. So, you know, aside from having the technical skills, obviously, being a mechanic and working on vehicles, for, you also used to race motorcycles and worked on cars yep. and everything that was an engine for a while, right? <laughs> so, so we're not limited to helicopters. Right, right. Um, I've rebuilt, I've uh, rebuilt and I've uh, painted Harley Davidson's. Obviously, I've uh, 
set motocross, but I used to race motocross. So yeah, yeah, I've had uh, my hand in just about everything. Cool. So you have the technical skills, but what do you do in terms of the business side? Because I'll be honest, it took me, well, probably still I am, right? But it took me years to realize that I'm not just a tactician. I can't just teach a skill set. Run a business, it's a completely different ballgame. Yeah. So what do you do to that? Because I find a lot of people, that's a big challenge, right? They have a skill set and they're like, oh, I'm going to start a business. But if you don't have the business head behind it, it's a challenge. So I don't, I have no, no experience. So right now, that's why I'm, I'm more than anything relying on, on my friend. Okay. Who has the collision center? Uh, he has that knowledge. Um, you know, set a budget, stay in that budget. This is what the car's value is going to be when you're done. You know what I mean? That's uh, those are skills I don't have. Uh, hopefully, I'll develop over the next couple of years. Right. But uh, I don't have the business side of it. Yeah, neither do I. And I, I was fortunate enough to have a good team that kept me in check for the longest time. But also, um, the past couple of years, I've been uh, having people in place, like Michael was one of them that I mentioned, who uh, who does bring the, the business side and keeps me in check, right? Because otherwise I will go and spend money, like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. Me too. It's, it's credit card, it's not real money anyways. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, so, you, we covered the, the veterans, we covered the, uh, the the business side. Let's talk some personal stuff. Sure. So, so you guys are facing some challenges now as a family. Yes. Right. So some medical issues over, over relative. Yep. Uh, not have to get in there. How do you manage that? I mean, that's a lot of stress. I see your sister managing it in a certain way. You dealing with it completely differently. Yes. Well, mentally, I have. I am trying to prepare myself for having to. Uh, all right. Big picture. He has a lot of stuff coming up, um, and it's we you know it's my father and. Uh, uh, I am. Uh, I want to be there 100% for him every step of the way. My challenge: How do I deal with seeing him going through what he has to go through to get better? So, do you do you see anybody for emotional psychological support? So I do, and um, I need to see someone else. Okay. <laughs> okay. No. She. Uh, I go through the VA, um, and uh, I requested at the VA that I have someone someone that's closer to my home because it's a long drive to the VA from my house. I'm like, can I get someone that's closer to my house? Sure. Here, here's someone. And uh, I've been to see her for a few months, and we generally don't touch on any issues. Uh, I bring them up, and then it's changed. So it's. I it fits the purpose. Exactly. Exactly right. So, and I'm thinking about honestly just going shopping, and, and if I have to pay for it myself, find someone that that's right. close to my house that I can. I Did can you ever use. consider virtual? Uh, I've had virtual. I've done virtual, but again through VA, uh, VA counselors, and um, if you've ever ever had any experience with them, a lot of them were a number, and and right. that's just. That's where the system is set up. Though. The system is just messed up. It's not that they're bad practitioners per se. They're just the system is not equipped to handle it. Right. I agree. They're they're not bad people. They're probably not. I had one great counselor. Uh, guy, guy's name was Jim. Man, awesome. Loved him. Uh, started seeing him in 2012, 2013. Uh, he got a better offer somewhere else, I guess. Um, 
then uh, ever since then, I really haven't found anyone relevant. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but it's important that we get that support, right? I, mean, I always find that. Um, like, I don't, I don't see anybody, and I certainly should. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I see how it helps other people, how it helps Steve, how it helps Tyler, how it helps other people. So there's certainly a lot of value, specifically in dealing with all of that, right? You're talking about, you're worried about how you're going to be, you know, seeing your father go through. So when I say that, uh, I want to make sure that I am still strong for him, mm-hmm. still strong for my family, my wife, mm-hmm. uh, and and my son. So it's it's going to be. I understand it's going to be stressful and tough on me. Yeah, it's going. That's just going to happen. But it is. It is. That's what it has to be for him to get better. Yeah, 100%. and that's all that matters. Is is him getting better? Right. So. Uh, my concern is just making sure I am still there for him, my wife, and my son. Yeah. I love your dad. I mean, your dad has said he's my hero. So, <laughs> um, so I, I hope he, he gets well. And, uh, you know, I know Tyler's also worried. And, and being remote, right, so being 12 hours away driving, it's... Yeah, very tough for her, I know. I get and, and, you know, it's also because she wants to help and she knows she can't to the same extent, right? So it, that does put a different type of strain, I guess. I always said my uh, my father passed away when he was 54, uh, but he decided I, I spent two weeks with him. He was here for a week, then I went to Israel, happened to be with him for a week. I left on a Friday, he passed that Monday. Like I literally landed back in America and my mom told me to tell me that he passed and got on the plane right back to Israel. But uh, so as, as young as he was and, and as sad as he was, I never had to see him go through any kind of pains or anything like that. So yeah. I certainly can relate to that and can only imagine that that's not going to be an easy process. Mm. But at least you know you have your family that you can count on, yeah. including your sister, including me, including mm. other siblings, the 17 other siblings you have. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know that I have a great support system, and I know that he has a great support system. So. And, and it's important for people to know because... You know, I have people reach out to me all the time, and, and we have this going on in life. This going, and, and oftentimes people also use it as an excuse to not do what they need to do, right? Right. Right. Especially taking care of themselves. Uh, so you recognizing that is you're already ahead of the curve in my mind compared to some other people I talk to. So you can, you came here this weekend. You hung out with us. Yeah. It was a busy weekend, so yeah. I apologize. No, 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 don't, 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 don't. Absolutely don't. Okay. It was a, uh, it was more so a last minute thing, and I, and I was honestly going to try to wait until, until he could come with me. Uh, but uh, your sister or your wife, my sister, it's like, no, come. I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you came. Uh, first couple of nights, I was. I passed out. I feel like eight. But yeah. Well, you, you've got your own turmoil right now, so. Yeah. No. So. <laughs> Just business. Yeah. It's nothing yeah. nearly as important. Business is business, and it comes and goes, and that's just the way it is. But I know that we are planning a trip to come visit you guys. So we are talking to Tyler uh, yesterday. Uh, I think we are talking about during the holiday, just make a trip there. So we better have a second room set. Well, I have to bring the camper, park it in your front yard. No, I'll have, I'll have the space. <laughs> All right. Unless... Unless that space is occupied. Which I hope it is, actually. Yeah, I do too. Okay. Uh, so what are, what are Pete's next few months looking like? Taking care of your dad, starting a new business, 
14 year old cars. Yeah. That would be an Intiqua. Yeah. Uh, I still have my car uh, that I can't ever keep my hands off of, which I absolutely love. So remind, remind me what model it is. I know it's a Chevy. Why so it's a Chevy. It's a 56 uh, Chevy 210. It's a. It's uh, beautiful. Mo- most people were related to a Bel Air. It's one trim level below a Bel Air. So there were three models uh, in. This is when he starts geeking up. Like, Sorry. Go, go, go. go. <laughs> uh, all right. So the Tri-5s, 55, 56, and 57. There were three different models of each. Uh, one was a Bel Air. I'm sorry. There were, there were also Delrays, but those were interior trim packages. But uh, they had uh, Bel Airs, uh, 210s, and 150s. Trim packages. The lower the number, the, the less the trim package, the okay. more basic. So the 250 is the middle one? The 210 is the middle one. Yep. Okay. 210, sorry. Um, and is it all original? <laughs> Not even remotely. Close. Okay. No, it is. Uh, it is a absolute hot rod. Um, two winners? No, last winter. Was it? Yeah, it was last winter. Completely stripped everything uh, that you can't see. So when you look at the car, you see the body. Right. You open the hood. Everything that that is under rewired. Uh, new rear end, transmission, new engine, um, all of them rebuilt. So, so the car looks old. Yep. Clean, but old. Old body type, right? Yep. But all the internals are new. And I'll rip the tires off of it. Yep. What do you mean you rip the tires? It'll. it'll oh, you will rip the tires. Yeah. I thought you said you ripped the tires off it. Mm. I thought those tires are pretty cool. Now that thing, it'll, it'll roast tires. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Did you ever take it to like a driving track or anything? No, so if I were to, it'd be a drag race. Um, that is not; it doesn't have which suspension is what I would like to do next. Okay. Get a more modern. I have started the modern tra- uh, the suspension on it, coilovers, adjustable coilovers in the front. Haven't touched the rear end yet, except I put a uh, Ford nine-inch rear end. And if you know, I've realized Chevy Ford, but the Ford nine-inch is um, it's like the coveted rear end that you put in hot rods. Because they're indestructible. Okay. So. And and for the record, I, I turned my car on the other day, and Pete looks at me, and he goes, that sounds horrible. You better get that checked. <laughs> he just heard it once. And it does sound horrible. I just, nobody knows what the hell it is. So, um, it's, you can take my car with you and work on it, I guess. <laughs> you need. Uh, no, but I'm going to have you come back here, and there's there's a whole list of <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> can you help with Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I offer my services. Uh, I can uh, load my trailer up and I can bring anything you want so I can fix anything you need. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll certainly have to plan on that. Well, you know, for someone that was reluctant to be on the podcast, <laughs> I appreciate you coming here. Told you it's going to be short and sweet. Thanks. And it was awesome having you. Love you. And Love I'm, I'm glad you're here. And I hope your father gets well soon. And it's time to go home and start drinking. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Stay savage.